I didn't say anything for a long time until I got close to being done. Um, okay. And I and I just basically quit reading. I mean, uh, well, reading and watching TV, and I just wrote night and day. Wow. Um, get up at four thirty in the morning and and write until time to go to work, and then come home after work and do it again. And um, the first uh, the first book was originally about seven hundred and fifty pages, but I I didn't know you know no experience in writing. I just sat down. And, and let my imagination do the driving. I didn't sure. have a, a, you know, I hadn't plotted it out. Um, I hadn't uh, put, didn't use an outline. I just sat down and started writing. So uh, with no writing experience, I had no idea really how big a book should be. Yeah. So it was like 750 pages. And, and so the first book, we cut it down to uh, 500 pages and uh, which gave me a great start on the second book and and i'm almost done with it now and started on the third book wow it'll be a series of four hey quick shout out to our primary sponsor for this episode it is peter harrett he's the author of the rings of heseron and here's an excerpt from his book check it out the steadily intensifying rumble echoed through the river valley pierce stared in that direction but the sound offered not a single clue to its source or the cause Lauren, his wife, and their three children joined him on the high bank, all searching the murky sky as one. A mixture of wonder and dread of the unknown filled their hearts. As it neared the ground, the sound grew exponentially, roaring, snapping, popping, and shaking the bones of the small group of onlookers. Then the low-hanging clouds started glowing, radiating yellow light on the snow-covered grasslands. To the family, it seemed as if the sun was falling to earth. They watched in horror as a fireball broke through the glowing clouds and streaked to the ground. As it struck, the object threw up a frightening plume of earth and snow, followed by a deafening boom. The concussion wave that followed sent them reeling. Their world shook violently, and snow fell from the trees around them as they struggled for balance. <laughs> Your husband, your father, you're an entrepreneur, author, and much more. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. You know, I like to start my shows off by going to back, uh, going back a bit, so folks can kind of get to know you a little bit. Where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? Um, I had a really good childhood. Um, born in uh, Medford, Oregon. Uh, um, went to high school in the Portland area. Always been on the West Coast. Okay. And I've uh, been in the Arlington, Washington area, which is about an hour north of Seattle, just far enough away from Seattle to be in the country. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I've been here since 79. Okay. Okay. And I was researching you on your website. You mentioned that your first experience with fantasy really came when you watched The Wizard of Oz. Man, those flying monkeys are definitely scary. But yeah, I thought I was the only one, but uh, <laughs> my brother know, was horrified by then. Yeah. I mean, it was, I remember watching that so as a kid and just like obsessed with it. Like, Oh my gosh, man, I want to watch this again. But then it gets to the monkeys part. And I'm like, Oh, right. Like, you know, it was obviously a while ago, but what was going through your mind when you watched that for the first time? Well, I, I was so young. Um, uh, and, and there's kind of some backstory with that. Uh, I had been chewing my fingernails Okay. and, and my parents wanted me to they wanted to punish me for that so they made me sit in the kitchen and i had to look around a corner like this at it so it was all alone in another room watching <laughs> watching the okay. wizard of oz and uh, so the, yeah my mom had me stick my hands in some salt water 
okay. in the kitchen. So I'm looking around a corner with my fingers in salt water. By the way, I never ate, uh, chewed my fingernails again after that, but uh, <laughs> that's how I got to watch The Wizard of Oz. Okay. <laughs> that's so funny. You know, I mean, I, I love it. I, I love it. Because my kids, we haven't watched it. They haven't watched it yet because we've kind of like held them back in their 11 and 8, so they probably could. But we're, we're like, uh, maybe not quite the fly monkeys quite yet. Maybe another year or so. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love that you talk about going to the drive-in though as a kid. Like you know, I have memories as as a kid. My parents would smuggle us in, like get underneath the blanket, so they wouldn't have to pay for us as we went into the movies. You know, and and yeah. I mean, I think investors would be jumping on the opportunity. Hopefully, especially during COVID, to fire those things back up. But you know, what was the favorite movie that you ever saw to drive in? Uh, well, uh, Fall of the House of Usher was really scary. Yeah, uh, if you haven't seen that, it's a great vincent price movie i haven't seen it since i was a little kid but but uh what happens at the end of the movie is this mansion that's got um people in the basement sinks into the swamp and you can hear their cries ah you know and it was really spooky for a seven-year-old <laughs> <laughs> i can't imagine and then you got this guy your, your buddy rick tells you about this new show called star trek right it, how much of an impact did that show have on your books and your writing and things like that Oh, it was huge. Um, Rick and I were in the library one day and I, I asked him for help with um, uh, choosing a book. And, and Rick was an avid uh, science fiction reader. Okay. And, and we're talking, you know, I guess it would have been fourth or fifth grade. And um, so he, he, he says, uh, by the way, are, you, are you, you ready to watch Star Trek? And I had no idea what it was. I didn't even know what the word Trek meant. So he explained what Trek meant. Uh, you know, it means, uh, you know, a voyage, travel. And, uh, and so uh, I watched it. And, uh, you know, the, I'd like to say a life was never the same, but sure. <laughs> it really was uh, an, an impactive experience. And uh, it, it continues to this day. I love Star Trek, um, uh, Star Wars, you know, science fiction. Um, uh so it changed things for me. Yeah. Interesting story about Star Trek. I So during Halloween one year up here in Coeur d'Alene, my wife and I, and our, we take our kids and we go with some friends of ours to a local like senior citizen home. And they kind of set up like all the people that are there. They set up little booths and they hand out candy. And we came around this corner and this guy had a Star Trek shirt on. And my buddy says, hey, I like the shirt. And the guy goes, oh, it's the original that I wore on the show. And I was like, what? So we kind of did some research. He was this guy. I forget his name now. I think his name was John. And he was like a no name. He was kind of like always a secondary actor that was in like multiple se seasons, but he didn't really have like a, a, um, a major role in it, but he had a reoccurring role as kind of a guy that was on the back control station uh, of the Star Trek like oh, cool. ship. It was a red shirt. <laughs> it was a red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the original and he was still wearing it. He's like, I wore it when I was on the show. And I was, it was just so cool to like talk to this guy and hear his stories. And he was just like the happiest guy ever just passing out candy, but like love taking photos and things like that. And no one was really saying anything, but me and my buddy, we kind of like knew him right. Dude, that's a red shirt. And he's like, Oh man, it's the original one. I was like, no way. You know? Yeah. I'd be afraid to wear a red shirt. Those are the guys that always die. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome you know like 
I, I was reading that like when you first started kind of like writing, you, you know, I wake up at 4, 4 a.m. six days a week, you know, and to craft my voiceover and podcast and then coaching, you wake up at 4 a.m. because it became a, like this life altering obsession to write these books. What was the reaction from your friends and your family when you told them that you wanted to, to start writing these books? I didn't say anything for a long time until I got close to being done. Um, okay. And I and I just basically quit reading. I mean, uh, well, reading and watching TV, and I just wrote night and day. Wow. Um, get up at four thirty in the morning and and write until time to go to work, and then come home after work and do it again. And um, the first uh, the first book was originally about seven hundred and fifty pages, but I I didn't know you know no experience in writing. I just sat down and and let my imagination do the driving i didn't sure. have a, a you know i hadn't plotted it out um i hadn't uh, put didn't use an outline i just sat down and started writing so uh, with no writing experience i had no idea really how big a book should be yeah so it was like 750 pages and and so the first book we cut it down to uh, 500 pages and uh, which gave me a great start on the second book. And, and I'm almost done with it now and started on the third book. Wow. It'll be a series of four volumes, not a problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a curse. Sure. Sure. Now, a lot of people, like you said, you didn't tell really anybody to you almost had that the books done. Was that on purpose? Cause I think a lot of times when people start writing or they start doing these goals, they start sharing it with people, they start getting this negative feedback of people saying, Oh, you couldn't do that. Or you shouldn't do that. Was that a, a goal or something that you had thought about? Or did you get negative feedback once you told people about this? No, people were surprised because I'm also running two businesses and I right. have a family and, you know, a, a house and uh, I'm, I'm a busy guy. So, yeah. uh, the fir first thing out of people's mouths when I say I'm writing a book is, when'd you find time to do that? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, cut, you cut TV and reading out of your life, you, you find the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I want to deep dive into the books themselves because the books sound awesome. And for those who haven't heard of you or your books, like, what is The Rings of Hesseron and who are these books for? Um. You know, I, I did have some goals when I sat down. Um, I, I wanted it to be uh, uh, attractive to a wide audience, basically everyone, everyone that can read or listen. So, so I avoided, um, you know, uh, swearing and cursing, um, sex, um, um, and I wanted to make it fun. And so there's a lot of humor in it. And uh, I have kind of a wacky sense of humor in case you hadn't noticed. There's my uh, I brought my tinfoil hat with me just in case. I love it. Antennas. <laughs> yeah. And this is the emergency button. Uh, I set the goal of making it appropriate for everyone mm -hmm. and, and including humor. And it's really about the people. And, and one, one pet peeve I have about uh, science fiction so often it's about spaceships, you know, and armies fighting each other. Um, and and it's uh, all the buildup is toward that and then it goes on and on and i get sick of that so this is really about the people rather than the stuff the hardware mm -hmm. and and it makes it fun i think yeah and you had talked about there is four books in the series right and mm -hmm. you've got two uh, one done uh, two done and you're working on a third like what's your kind of timeline for releasing the series or all the series of the books 
Well, we're trying to uh, go off with a bang. So okay. the first book is, is ready to go, but, but we want to have our publicity done. And, and I'd like to have the second book ready to go immediately afterwards and because we're, we're going to pre-sell it. Mm. And um, uh, one thing that uh, I wanted to get go kind of circle back to yeah. is, is uh, what the rings are. Yes. You asked, what, what are these rings? Yeah. Um, they're they're actually um, sentient machines on a, on a devastated planet. And how the planet got Hesseron, how Hesseron got devastated was there's a, this alien uh, force, uh, the the largest uh, contingent in the galaxy, um, by many times over. There's more of these Boeki uh, than than any other species, and so so. What they do is, to, because there's so many of them and they live so long, uh, they're basically filling the galaxy with with uh, their race. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they have harvest fleets set, set on solar systems and take everything. And that's what happened on Hesseron. So Hesseron is a completely um, um, devastated planet. The entire surface of the planet has been scraped off and taken away. So. Uh, when this happened, these sentient machines hid themselves from the Boeki, and they're they're mechanical rings, just like you see in the in the uh, on the cover. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, they they decided they wanted to uh, prevent that from happening again, and uh, attach themselves to a, a, a Boekian uh, renegade. Uh, named Asamario. So now he has the rings, but he can't go uh, do anything about it because if the Boeki find out that, that they've got this renegade, they're going to come get him. So he uh, attaches himself to a vassal who just happens to be a four-year-old uh, earth girl named Valerie. And so, um, but she's too young. So he waits until she becomes of age. And that's, the story is a little bit of a coming of age uh, story as well. So when this girl's 18, she starts uh, fighting for these rings and uh, other uh, ring bearers uh, get in the way of that. Uh, particularly one named Stone, who is a, a brute and a mm. killer. And she, so she has this um, struggle with him okay and uh and then in the in the she she lives to be about three thousand years old but they're losing the war against the boeki so she goes back in time to 2436 bce to hide from the alien fleet and and then reinvents herself she's re reborn uh back in the 21st century again and does it again except this time uh, she corrects her former errors so it's kind of a complicated story, a lot happening, three or four different time periods, okay. about four or five different time periods. So, yeah. That's great. Oh, I think that's awesome. I, I'm excited to uh, read that. And I think a lot of people that are listening to this show will connect with that very well. And uh, I think you're going to have a lot of, a lot of folks definitely interested in, in uh, listening to this. They can go to your website. Uh, speaking of that, like, where's the best place for folks to connect with you and, and follow you? And where can they go and buy these books? Uh, uh, it'll be on uh, Audible and Amazon and um, 
you know, other booksellers as well as uh, my website at peterherrett.com. Awesome. I wanted to touch base also because you, you do own two businesses. You've got Top Secret Customs. And what's the other business that you have? And what are your businesses that you run so folks can go and check those out as well? Uh, Top Secret Customs and Restorations is a, certainly the biggest restoration shop, custom car build shop in the Northwest. Nice. Um, we have 20 employees and 21,000 feet and about 40 cars in the shop at any given time. Wow. And, and then also Olympic equipment. We, we, um, um, uh, we, we um, manufacture and sell uh, car lifts and shop equipment. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I'll, I'll be sure to add the links and descriptions uh, for those businesses as well into the release of the show. And uh, I always love to finish the show with kind of the, some fun questions there. But what's your favorite book? Oh, I think the one that was uh, best to read was Alien. I, I thought okay. it was really good. Yeah. And uh, of course, The Martian Chronicles is really uh, a favorite. Um. So I've read so many, it's kind of hard to yeah, <laughs> and, and sort you, them out. But Right. And, and you've, I mean, you, you started watching sci-fi at a, a young age. It's kind of been part of your life there. Is there a favorite movie or do you just have a bunch of like a, maybe a series that's a favorite? Um, the original three parts of uh, Star Wars was really good. It was one of the things I like about it. It was fun. Yes. And, and um, again, I already mentioned it, but, the, you know, this uh, a lot of, of um, science fiction can be uh, tedious with with the hardware. Sure. Yeah. The spaceships. I love, I love the spaceships, but it, it, it's all about fighting. Yes. And then there's some fighting in my story, too, of course, but but it isn't spaceships blowing each other up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars series as well. And my kids, like I said, they're, you know, 11 and eight. And, and this year for spring break, uh, we actually, or Christmas break, sorry, Christmas break, we, we had the week off from school and we watched the entire Star Wars series, like all of the, the three and then the, I think, total of nine. I think there's maybe 12, but we, we kind of just watched the main nine ones with them. And they were like, after the first one, they were hooked. And then it was like, once Darth Vader like revealed himself as like Luke's dad, my daughter was like, "What? Are you kidding me?" Like, yeah, it was mind blown, right? You know, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Uh, I'm a music guy, so I love to ask the question like, "What's a favorite type of music for you?" Or do you have a favorite band that you like to listen to? Um, ZZ Top and the Doors. <laughs> okay, yeah, I like them uh, absolutely. Yeah, classic rock, I guess. For sure. For sure. Well, Peter, I wanted to also just give you an opportunity to give any like shout outs, like thank yous or anything like that of folks that have been in, involved in your journey here to write these books and, and in the release of this. And then um, it, so the camera is all yours, man. Well, I really appreciate Sam Severn, my editor. Uh, he's a super guy, a really good person. And he's recommended other people um, like um uh, my proofreader, Heather, and I'm sorry, I can't think of her last name at the moment. And, and of course, my wife, Tracy, who's acting as a publicist, publicist and, and she has worked herself silly on this thing. And uh, I really appreciate what she's done. Yeah. 
Oh, and then, of course, there's my grandfather who got me interested in, in language and writing in the first place. Um, so, Love that. Love that. Yeah, I, I'm very fond of my, my grandfather as well as big impact on my life. Peter, this is such an honor to have you on my show. Thank you so much for what you're doing with your books, what you're doing with Top, uh, top Secret Customs and Olympic Equipment. I think that's awesome. It, I love talking with entrepreneurs and I'm fascinated with people's stories. And to have you come on and share your story about your books and upcoming uh, books, I just think it's awesome. So I'm just truly an honor to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. It was fun. It was good to meet you. Thank Absolutely. you so much for watching the show today. I appreciate it. If you could, please leave a rating and review on our Apple podcast. The link is down below. That helps us get our message out, get the show out, helps us get ranked out there on the Apple podcast. Also, leave a comment below, man. I'd love to know what part of this show made the most impact on you. I respond to every comment on there. And please share this video, whether you're watching on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, please share it out. We want to make sure that we impact as many people as we can with the guests that come on my show and highlight those guests and what they've got going on and they're changing the world. So thank you so much for the time. So appreciate it. Have an awesome day.